What's going on, ladies and gents? Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com, and today I have a special guest, William Parker, on the line. Kerry Brown actually introduced me to William, and he's got just an amazing, amazing story. He grew up as an athlete, was a professional wrestler, graduated high school at like 600 pounds, and he had gone through a whole bunch of crazy weight fluctuations, you know, from 600 pounds down to like less than 300 pounds, and he's done a whole bunch of mission work, traveling all over the world, and then he wound up being a trucker after a car accident that left him pretty much immobile um, for quite some time. So he started doing this truck driving as a career path. But then he gained a whole bunch of weight, got back up to 600 pounds, and he fell in love with cooking. He, he's always enjoyed cooking, so he started cooking. And he was able to find keto, just totally improve his health with keto in so many more ways than he had imagined. But then he was able to keep it keto and like do all this crazy ornate cooking while in a truck so pretty interesting storyline pretty interesting skill set um i just had to get him on here and have him just I had to pick his brain about how he kept it super clean super keto while driving in a truck and only going home once or twice a year so if you have excuses and listen to this podcast you should have no more excuses because if this guy can do it anybody could do it i'm excited to hear you listen to a story without further ado sit back relax and enjoy this conversation with william parker William Parker, we're live, man. How are you? Doing all right, boss, man. How you doing? I'm doing wonderfully well, all things considering. The, the grass is green, the sky is blue. I, I'm smiling away. Yeah, that's uh, about where we're at. We're in the, the forest of Connecticut, so we're not uh, experiencing as much of the craziness as I would be if I was still living in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Like I feel like it's definitely impacted us all, like the whole virus thing, but being i don't know like I, I go for a run every day and i see just like the the morning wake up i see the day start and i see like all these animals i see the the sunrise it's like you yeah. know life goes on like the virus is definitely impacting us all but like the the day is still beautiful so don't take that for granted yeah carrie and i were talking too and we're wondering how many people are going to walk away from this experience realizing how much stuff they can actually live without and do without and maybe even get a tighter wrap on their financial health and their budgeting and everything. Oh, yeah. I think, honestly, like my hope is that this whole conundrum just brings people closer together and they, they take stock in what they do have and they, they are grateful for the blessings that they do have because, I don't know, man, it, it, it's hard to take things for granted when everything's been stripped from you. You know, sometimes it takes tearing down things in life and getting down to simplicity to really appreciate what you have and, and, and to focus in on the necessities of life instead of the I wants that your brain turns into I need. Like I, I you, so many people say, I need that new iPhone. I need this. I need that. And, and they're really things that you can do without. Mm-hmm. Totally agree, man. It's uh, I was listening to a Meditations by Marcus Aurelius this morning on my run, and he was just talking about how so many people in life spend so much time and effort getting things that they don't need or want to impress mm-hmm. people they don't like. Kind of like the whole Fight Club. <laughs> you know, they basically, you can quote yeah. Fight Club from that, that scene. But they said the same thing. It's like, you know, we just need to focus on what truly matters and double down on that. Yeah, I... I... I read a lot of uh, Khalil Gibran, uh, mm-hmm. philosopher that I like, poet, and uh, he he's very simplistic on on 
the things that human beings need talks about love food the the need for being productive and working and and producing something but all this super, superficial kind of things that invade our lives through media the commercials and everything that that puts a sense of urgency that we need to have this but it's not something that we really need to have it it really is kind of creating more of a rat race in our society than we really need it's it's absolutely eye-opening man like when you stop you have a stillness to the mind and you actually reflect on what's important most people will totally reorganize their lives because it's it's we, yeah. we've we've gone down a, a bad rabbit hole in a lot of ways. Um, I, this is the first time we've even talked, man. <laughs> you and I, people yeah. listen to this, it's kind of crazy because we're going off on a philosophical mindset <laughs> stoic rant, which I love. I can dive into that all day long. Um, yeah, so it's a it's a kind of a weird dynamic for being a trucker and going down that route, huh? <laughs> no, it's good though, man. I feel like that's that's awesome. Whole another level of respect for you. Um, uh, but I'd love I'd love to since this is the first time we've talked. This is going to be a unveiling for both me and people listening but i'd love to kind of dive into your backstory i I got like a brief synopsis from carrie via email about kind of what you've gone through over the past a little bit after finding keto and just everything before and after but i'd love to kind of flesh that out and get more of your backstory man well uh a little under a decade ago i started in as a truck driver but before that uh i worked mainly a lot of nonprofits programs but i was always an athlete Uh, i i played football in high school left football because i had a psychotic coach that tried to pressure me into steroids and wanted me to break a kid's knee in the middle of a game so i went into powerlifting and got really hooked on that and that was the first time in my life that i got really large i broke 600 pounds when i was powerlifting i was just eating up a storm how old were you then I uh, graduated high school at 19, so about I probably hit I probably hit the 600 mark around the time I was uh, 18. And how tall are you? I'm six six. That's crazy, man! You're a giant. Six six. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I did I did pro wrestling for a while, so I was around some like seven foot dudes, and I was like, hey, this is kind of cool. I'm not the uh, I'm not getting all the tall jokes anymore, you know? <laughs> That's amazing. So, man. Yeah, I I actually um, I lost a lot of weight after high school too. I, I went traveling, lived in the Philippines for a couple of years, started my volunteer stuff over there, and when I came back from the Philippines, I was about 290 pounds, and I was starting to get my abs going. I had like a four pack rolling at 290, and uh, I kind of gone up and down in weight. Ever since then, I, I'd, I'd skyrocket up and then do something to lose weight, and that was always a struggle. And when I started powerlifting, I started get, or when I started doing pro wrestling, they they really wanted me to lose weight because of my age. And when I started, and uh, so I did the classic kind of thing of eating like chicken breasts and salad, and and practically starving myself on a low fat diet. Uh, I did lose weight doing that, but it was miserable and it just wasn't as sustainable. Mm-hmm. Later, later on, uh, I got hit by a car, which took me out of the pro wrestling world, uh, rear ended actually vehicle accident. And I destroyed my shoulder, damaged my neck. I could barely walk for over a year. And, uh, when I was finally able to start getting moving, I started driving and 
didn't control the diet, didn't get anything and hit that 600 pound mark again. And I listened to this dude on a trucking radio start talking about keto and I started looking into it. And at the same time, I was experiencing symptoms that were associated with CTE. Uh, a lot of brain fog, head felt like it was underwater, emotions were all over the place. I had kind of just out of nowhere get explosive anger or severe depression. Um, being in myself by myself in the truck, that wasn't a great thing. And uh, they, they started talking about keto for brain health. And I started looking into it. I started looking at the research that Dr. Dominic Diagostino was doing with the military and PTSD and, and brain trauma. And I decided to give it a try and my head cleared up and I dropped a ton of weight. So it, it was really, it, it sold me when the, when I woke up in bed and my joint pains were not there and I woke up was like, Holy crap. I was that, that sold me right there. So I want to, so, I want to rewind just a little bit. You were, you said you'd gotten up to 600 pounds uh, out of high school and then you that's when you went to the Philippines and you did your mm-hmm. did your work there and then you dropped below 300 pounds in the Philippines yeah um, actually after high school I went to Mexico Canada Korea Thailand and Philippines and I accidentally lived in the Philippines for about two and a half years wow man well I mean I guess food was just more <laughs> scarce there like how'd you drop so much weight so quickly and what all were you doing there <laughs> You know, it was just eating whole real foods. I was I was out in villages a lot, hiking through. I got out of the cities a lot, so I wasn't eating a ton of fast food. I wasn't eating a lot of processed stuff. I was eating eggs, rice. Um, there was days where I wasn't getting much food at all. I was eating a ton of seafood. And I was also very physically active out there. Uh, I was hiking through a lot of the, the jungle. And I think the humidity out there helped a lot, too, because mm, that yeah. heat humidity can just kill your appetite. And so, you know, you'll get moments where you're real hungry. But when it's real hot out, you just don't want to eat that much or you don't want to eat a lot of heavy things. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think because of that and, and the fact that I was walking everywhere, uh, I, I owned a car briefly, but I, I hiked all over the Philippines and I, I was... I mean, I covered a major distances on Luzon, hiking from provinces to provinces, working with uh, uh, groups like Save the Children. And uh, I actually got hooked up with a group of ex-military guys that were shutting down child brothels. Uh, it was pretty scary work to do, but it was it was uh, something I really got into, got a passion for helping kids. I'm curious, and, man, what, uh, what led to that? Like, was there something that happened in your childhood that made you motivated to put like all this charitable work towards children or like, I'm just curious. I had a lot of friends that came from really rough situations. So my family was like the place that a lot of the troubled kids wanted to be. Mm -hmm. They, they like my house became like a refuge for a lot of kids. And there were some things that I didn't know was happening with some of my friends until after high school but i had like a female friend that she would show up at my my i had a patio sliding door off my bedroom and a little she would jump over and be knocking at my door at like two three o'clock in the morning just wanting to come in and stay because she felt safe and i i didn't know at the time what was going on at her place with her stepdad and, and things it was pretty ugly i only found out later but it, it became like the safe place 
when I was in the, the Philippines, I saw a lot of things happening there that honestly was fueled by uh, a lot of American and European tourism with sex trafficking and things like that. I saw the ugly side of it. Um, and it just, it was not the way I was raised. I was always raised to be respectful, to respect women, to, re, you know, I was raised that you help each other, that you don't be a bully. Um, and it just hit all those marks of everything that my whole background stood against. And I, I, through some mutual friends, I ran into a group of a bunch of expat U.S. military guys that were working with the police. Um, they would go in and act like they were businessmen and customers. Because if the if the if the brothel saw like a Filipino or or another Asian coming up, they they knew something was up, and they would threaten the you know they would hold the kids hostage and it would become a huge scene. Uh, very violent and then uh, but if an American came up they that's a customer so these guys would play like customers and they would go into the the, the brothels and you know buy up as many kids as they could get them into a room and then protect the kids in that room while the police came in and busted down the doors so um, I got involved with those guys doing that it was an official nonprofit, but I also had my EMT certification right out of high school and I got hooked up with uh, a few organizations, including Save the Children, which became one of my favorite nonprofit organizations, to to help with medical stuff in in the mountains with the the native Filipinos, the Aita uh, up on Mount Pinatubo, and uh, in some of the smaller rural villages coming in. I even delivered babies at at 20 years old and 21 years old. It was crazy. That's insane, man. It's like got to be, I don't know, so fulfilling, though. Like you do that for your life, especially at such a young age. I mean, like in your 20s, like anything after that, especially like just the superficial nature of so much of what's happening in America, it just it must seem so dead to you. You know, it just depends on where you go and who you talk to. Sometimes you have to hunt for the good news because if we sit and we watch the media, Fox, CNN, MSNBC, they're constantly trying to sell you a boogeyman. They want you sitting in front of the TV, shoveling popcorn in your face like you're watching a horror movie. That's how they keep you glued. They don't tell you all the good stuff that people are doing around the country. They don't tell you all the amazing work that nonprofits are doing. I mean, they might touch on it a little bit, but they're not really going in depth with that stuff because people tend to want to watch the negative for some reason. And, it, and I think that's one of the things that's negatively affecting our country. It's making people paranoid and mistrusting uh, and, and very cynical about humanity. And mm-hmm. it, it has a lot to do with that constant push of you got to be afraid of this boogeyman now. I mean, parents are, if you look at stats, kidnappings are down from where they used to be. Violence towards children has actually been decreasing in the country. But if you watch the media, you think there's basically somebody hiding behind every tree ready to snatch your child. And so parents are afraid to let their kids to go outside and play and, and, and be kids and do what we did growing up, romp through the woods and, and go find, you know, a 
caves and abandoned mines to go play in yeah. and, and chase you know i grew up in ohio i mean we'd go off it, the the street lights would come on we'd be home but i mean we had woods right by our house we'd be romping through the woods setting up snares for small animals go hunting berries do do all that kind of stuff and and kids just can't you know most kids in most areas their their parents are too afraid to allow them to do that kind of thing anymore i totally agree with you on the media side man like i I don't have a TV. I have never had a TV in my entire life. And I don't intend to have a TV when I do have kids because I feel like the media from like a, a television news standpoint, like you said, it just it, it fixates on the negative much more so than the positive. And so much of what it, it is showing is all things that I have zero control over. I mean, I'm all for being up to date on, you know, relevant news that, that can have an impact on my life or my you know, families' lives, but if there's no positive in it and there's no way for me to change it, I don't really want it occupying my brain cells. Yeah, and I, I find myself, you know, just like everybody else, I'll find myself going down a trap of of getting angry about what the politicians are doing or getting angry at the bad behavior. So I've I've deliberately looked and, and sought out positive things to fill my world with i'll look to inspirational people that uh are doing things that i admire um like malala youssef or uh people that are working in nonprofits that i used to work with carolyn miles that runs save the children she's a big inspiration the work that she does um so i i really try to find that those good things even if it's local I'll find some people that are doing some good stuff locally and try to either work with them, support them in some way, or just spread the news of what they're doing. And one of the things I I do do a lot of social media now, I I never did it uh, until a few years back uh, when I started doing the keto thing is actually when I started doing social media because I started posting recipes from the truck and, uh, I noticed how negative people could get on social media, the, the, the bickering, the constant fighting, the, the trying to go out of their way to, to antagonize other people and set people off. Uh, you, you'll see people that will post religion things, not to be religious, but deliberately to try to set somebody off and start an argument about it. You know, and I'm like, that's, you kind of didn't read your book, did you? Yeah. <laughs> so you know, or, or the same thing with the politics, the same thing with the, the, so I try to stay out of that kind of thing as much as possible. And when I do posts that are remotely political, I try to do posts on, on how to be positive. I'll take a problem and I'll talk about it and I'll try to offer some sort of solution that is equitable, no matter how you look at it, whether you're right, left, uh, religious, non-religious, and it's it's a lot of it boils down to treating each other like human beings. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree, man. I think I, I've tried to do a similar, tried to adopt a similar approach with my you know controversial controversial postings, and it's it's kind of murky water you're you're trending in when you start going off in that tangent. But we're all humans, so like if you post yeah. accordingly, like people shouldn't be you know shouldn't get their feathers ruffled up um i I definitely want to talk about the the positive light that you're shining with regard to you know the keto because i feel like you have a very interesting perspective in that 
you you were driving a truck for so long, and that that's a profession that most people would view as not really. Uh, it doesn't make keto easy, but like like anything in life, you find a way to make it's, it work. It really is one of the most unhealthy professions on the planet. The the average long term trucker has a lifespan of fifty five years old. That's crazy. So. Man. Yeah, I mean, it's you got to consider it's a sedentary lifestyle for many hours of the day. I mean, you, we have an hours of service and we have to drive, you know, you could be driving 11 hours a day on your butt with a couple of breaks in between. You, it, there's a lot of mental fatigue that comes along with that. Then when you go out, you're limited on where you can go to eat. You can't just go to your average supermarket or drive into any Whole Foods because they may not have truck parking or allow you to stay long enough to shop. So to truck stops, see stores, and we can pull into Walmarts. Many Walmarts will actually offer truck parking. There's a few places. you. It takes work to find out who will allow uh, um, but most of the guys you'll see out there, they got back mountain doing up the and half a container of sugar and coffee. They're then going in for their DOT physicals, which are become more strict, and they're getting restrictions on their license, and they're not able to work. Is rampant in the trucking industry. Obesity is rampant. I watch guys using a step ladder because they cannot get in and out of their truck on their own power. Well, own power, but they have to use a step ladder because they can't brace and, and get down. Their mobility is so lost because they're so large. And I was heading that direction. I mean, I for 600 pounds, I could move. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't the 600 pound life where you'd see on the TV. I was still able to move, jog, get around and, and things because of my height and my, my I'm 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 lean at two lean looking at two ninety. Right. And so I'm I've I've got a build that supports a lot of weight. A lot of guys, I'll see guys that are five foot five and they look like human bowling balls and they're they're struggling. They got they're struggling with even making a living because they DOT physical they have to have a CPAP machine they have to have all this these things they got to spend money for medically and then they're busting their butts trying to make a living and they're spending all their money on their their health issues so with with the I'm trying to get my head wrapped around the profession itself so you have 11 hours maximum drive time in any 24-hour period right well they they, they try to make things as confusing as possible. So you have 11 hours of drive time per day, 14 hours of on-duty time, and then you have 70 hours you can drive within an eight-hour, eight-day period, and then you can get recap. Like they've made it – politicians got involved and decided to make things as confusing as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I was with so, the railroad, they had like a similar approach with like the, you know, the engineers and conductors – you know, they can be mm-hmm. on call, they can be on duty, they can go through the rotation, but they had to have like this certain a lot of time off, certain a lot of time on. Uh, so like, is there any, any regulation as to, you know, sleep? Yeah, like you have to have X number yeah, of hours sleep. To, you have to have at least eight hours in the sleeper berth. And then you have to have, 
10 hours of off-duty time before your clock comes back and you'll be able to have drive time again. And the thing is, though, one of the things you'll see is, like, there's nobody sitting there babysitting you to make sure you're going to sleep and on time and uh, that you're getting enough rest. So you'll have a lot of guys that will sleep because they're tired, but you'll have guys who will sit in their truck and play video games or watch TV all night. You'll see guys at the slot machines. I've, I've literally pulled up to a truck stop with a, with a casino and seen the same dude that was a driver sitting at a spot when I was going in to get a shower or something. And when I come back in the morning, use the restroom before I leave, dude's still sitting there loading his money in the machine. And then he's getting up to go drive. That sounds like an accident waiting to happen. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's, I mean, there's a reason why you see a lot of trucking accidents and it's usually most drivers are fairly responsible. You have to be, or else you're not going to last long, but there's so many drivers that come in, they become overconfident in what they're doing and they, they don't focus in on their health. They don't take things like sleep seriously or they're, Addiction is rampant in the country and drivers can't use drugs. And you'll see many drivers that are addicted to gambling or online games and things be not a substance, but they'll be addicted to sugar. Well, sugar a substance, but they'll be addicted to the rush they get through the video games or the gambling and they can't put things away. What about smoking? Like, can they legally smoke in the cab anymore? Is that outlawed? Yeah, they're smoking tobacco. Yes. Or vaping or whatever they there's. And, I was a bad truck driver. I never got any, any tobacco products, but smoking is rampant in the trucking industry. And I think a lot of guys will smoke or chew tobacco simply out of boredom. Yeah. Driving all day, you know, and uh, so it, it's something to do while they're going. But there's a lot of smokers in the industry. There's a lot of unhealthy practices that guys do in the industry. So there, there's there's changes starting to happen. There's people that follow Kevin Rutherford, who's a who's a former trucker, and he's also a nutritional therapist, and he does a show called Destination Health on Wednesdays for truckers. Mm-hmm. He does a whole trucking radio show, but he focuses on health every Wednesday, and the, that's how I found out about keto. And there's also a guy named Dave Copeland who does. He's invented a uh, workout station that uh, that truckers can fold down and be compact that they slide behind their seat and then bring out and work out and get some physical. So there's, there's a push in the industry for people to get more healthy and more people are jumping on because if not, they're going to lose their license. What, what is this yeah. exercise that bright? Is it like resistance bands or this is get me intrigued it's, here. It's a bench system that lays down on the ground and it has a place where you can hook your legs through. So you could do a lot of ab and core exercises. You can lean on it, do push-ups. You can um, push it like a sled. Um, you can do all kinds of stuff with it. He's designed it to be like a multitask. You could hook bands to it if you want to and do different exercises or do dumbbell, kettlebell weights with it. He's made it to be extremely versatile. It's a simple machine. It's genius the way he did it. And the dude's a, a hustler. He's out there pushing it. It's called a... It's called the Absolute Abs uh, Fitness Bench, I think. Wow, I'd love to uh, check that out. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool, and it's it's a uh, it's just a little station for drivers, and drivers will get creative on the truck. The guys who want to stay fit will get um, creative in the truck. I used to carry uh, gravity straps, and I would hook them to the truck door and work out outside on the gravity straps. I'd carry a jump rope, uh, some dumbbells 
resistance bands although i don't like resistance bands that much i i don't know if it's my height or whatever i've broke multiple ones of those and ended up punching myself in the face twice <laughs> with it trying to do curls yeah they so, probably, you probably have to get like specialty ones being as tall as you are yeah so the the walmart ones i guess don't cut the mustard no no what about yeah, like so. uh like hacks for you know on top of your nutrition like the people like the truckers try and like actually prep their food and like cook it on the truck or like warm it up on yeah, the truck or i i did a lot of cooking on the truck and if you actually if you look a lot of my my whole thing of of falling in with carrie and the whole bit uh is the fact that i was posting recipes from my truck and things that i would cook and there's there's other drivers that do it as well um depending on what kind of a uh, setup you have in your truck, if you have an inverter or not in order to run power, they make devices for truckers to cook with on the truck. There's things called lunchbox ovens. There's crock pots you can get. Uh, there's little skillets and things that'll work out of the 12 volt outlet. I had an inverter, so I would run, my favorite device is the Ninja Foodie. I love mm -hmm. that thing. And I would run that in the truck. Um, at one point in my truck, I had a refrigerator built into the truck. I had bought in a dorm fridge and threw it up on my top bunk and plugged that in, cranked the temperature all the way down and turned it into a freezer. So I had an extra freezer so I could store some food. And um, I, I would cook quite a bit on the truck and I would make things like a, a chicken with a creamy mushroom um, sausage uh, sauce on there i would make a filipino style chicken adobo i would do all kinds of stuff and even plate it up and take pictures some things were simple i'd do a tuna seafood salad with uh with tuna and cod livers and sardines all mixed together with a homemade mayo and stuff it in an avocado um i kept dried seaweed on my truck and whenever i could and i would make um I would make a seaweed salad or ahi poke. Um, if I can get some decent uh, tuna, I would make uh, roasts and soups and all kinds of stuff. So you can cook on your truck. Uh, you, you with one of those lunchbox ovens, you were driving in a car. You could, if you had a, a thermoelectric cooler or, or something where you could keep some food, you could you could cook from your car if you wanted to just plug it in so you could eat you could eat good it just takes some creativity and luckily i had a background camping so i learned how to cook with minimal stuff this is incredibly interesting because i've got a sailboat and i'm trying to get it all retrofitted out with like you know cook cookware and whatnot uh you know with minimal power juice and whatnot so yeah. i'm liking this idea of the ninja food it's like basically a grill right like an android grill oh no I mean, this thing is it's a it's it's a multi cooker that's more like a uh, it looks kind of like an instapot but it's got two separate lids and you can you can slow cook pressure cook roast uh air fry bake and broil in the thing and steam as well wow and so multitaskers in a tight confined area are king because it allows you to get a variety of flavors done with the same ingredients just by changing up the, the way you cook it. And I like the Ninja because I could slow cook something all day and have it ready for me in the evening. Or if I wanted to get something done quick, I could pressure cook something, 
then hit the air fry air crisp mode and crisp up that outside so i got that nice texture and like i would do chickens that way and i would have a chicken done in a half hour and it's large enough to fit a, a smaller like six pound whole chicken in there and i would stuff the chicken with sausage or whatever throw it in there pressure cook it real quick and then air fry it to crisp that skin up on the outside and, and make some delicious meals that way man this is this is getting it, my mouth watering right now <laughs> like, oh yeah you pulled oh, up man. at a truck I, stop I and you get and then all this stuff oh, going camp. are the truckers oh, like yeah. looking at you like what's this guy doing <laughs> Oh, yeah. Sometimes the smoke would be coming out of my truck and people would be like, what the? And they would be smelling something going on. Sometimes I would, I, I kept camp gear on my truck too, because that's also key. So I kept little propane stoves and stuff. And I would sit out at the rest areas or something and set everything up and cook and make like a, a, a keto version of Loco Moco, uh, which is a Hawaiian plate lunch kind of a modern classic and it's 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 delicious it has uh traditionally a couple of scoops of rice hamburger patties uh a sunny side up egg with some grilled onions and some brown gravy and i did a keto version with uh fried collie rice garlic fried collie rice the burger patties i made a bacon gravy using konjac flowers the thickener which is all uh fiber no carbohydrates and uh the eggs and the and the, i did that right at a, a rest area it took me like 10 15 minutes because i already had all the ingredients prepped and just used a camp stove and i came up with some great stuff kind of like the little two burner coleman stove or i also had a, i had a couple camp stoves so i had a, I also had a butane single burner um in the in the truck i used electric skillets a lot they were versatile and and worked really well to to quickly cook up something i even um with when i had an instapot before i switched over the the ninja foodie i took a pie pan aluminum pie pan i mm -hmm. took some soaked wood chips hit it with my blowtorch inside the pie pan to kind of char them all up and then i stuck the pie pan down on the heating element and i put a uh, roast over the top of it and smoked the roast in my instapot Wow. So, like, what, what, did you always have a passion for cooking, or did this kind of just come to fruition as you were driving long hours and bored and wanting to, to satisfy the cravings? You know, I, I kind of developed a, a passion for cooking when I was in high school. Uh, it, it was a little bit out of necessity, and then I found I enjoyed it. My, my mom, as great as she is, she, she was not the most, um, dedicated chef on making sure she didn't burn the crap out of things <laughs> nicely put and, I like that. yeah yeah so yeah you know she burnt alphabet soup so bad we had to throw away the pan <laughs> and, you know we the neighbors would regularly see us as kids running to the dumpster with a smoking pan because my mom was a manager of apartment complex and she would just get distracted and the stuff would sit on the stove until it you know the pan was completely ruined mm -hmm. and uh, as a matter of fact, when I was a kid, the local Chinese place, when my, when my brother and I went down there late in the evening, she'd look at us and go, oh, Lamar Yogi, oh, your mama burned food again. Oh, you poor things. Come on over here. I need to take care of you. <laughs> like she knew my mom burnt the food when we came in. Wow. So you just had to learn how to cook. <laughs> yeah. So I, and I got into camping and, and things at, at a young age, and I loved going camp out. That was the only reason I joined Boy Scouts cub scouts is to go camping and i i was like the camp chef as, as a kid i would always 
come up with something, you know, and progressively as I learned how to do things, I kind of got a little better, a little better, but I was able to apply all that camping background to that, the, the, um, the truck, you know, going on surf trips when I was a teenager, even through my twenties, we'd go camp out in San Clemente or go up North or head down to Mexico. And we would go fishing. I, I, I'd use the Hawaiian sling spear and would go in the water, catch something, come back up, bring it out, grill it up or, or do something with it. Or we'd go down, grab a snorkel and some fins, go grab a bunch of scallops or a lobster or something like that while we were out camping and cook it up with the back then before keto, you know, keep rice and beans with us and do that kind of thing because it was cheap and you do all kinds of stuff with it. Now that I don't eat rice and beans, I get creative with that aspect of the sides. So what uh like what are your go to um like sides with keto? I feel like with the rice and beans, like especially with Mexican dishes, like I, I love rice and beans, but obviously I don't eat rice and beans anymore. What's what's the closest equivalent you found? You know, the closest equivalent I think I found to rice is miracle rice, is the konjac rice. It mm-hmm. is the closest thing I have found. It's all fiber. It's it's made from the konjac plant. You gotta be careful on what brands you buy with that though, because there's a lot of brands that'll throw in like tapioca starch and I've even seen corn starch and some of it, but there's some that is just chopped up pieces of, of konjac root and that stuff is awesome. There's just no uh, flavor to it. It's pretty much it. You have to dry it out because I've got like bulk packages of that. I use it a lot when I'm in a contest prep. So I've got sleeves of that stuff, but how, how do you oh, make yeah. it taste good? Well, it, you know, it's about what you put into it. And, and with the konjac rice, one of the things you could do is, yeah, you dry it out. And if you got it like an air fryer that can go on a low power mode, air fry it a little bit after you rinse it out and wash everything out, air fry it a little bit, get a little dry. So it'll, it'll take in some water when you cook it. And then you got to use less moisture. So it's more about the seasonings and things that you use. Um, because it already contains some moisture. So it's not going to absorb things like you would have with when you're making like a spiced Mexican rice. But if you use some dry spices on it with a little bit of butter, it's delicious. And you could take and you could do like, um, if you had a dehydrator, there's some tricks you can do to make some spices for rice. You could take some peppers and things like that, dehydrate them, and then grind them up in a food processor into a powder. And then put some mixes together so that you can, when you're doing the rice, you put the dry powder in and a little bit of butter and kind of saute everything together. And you got kind of, you got a, you got a nice little spicy Mexican rice. If you do. I gotcha. Yeah. So that works out really well. Uh, taking some, and and you could do some onion powder, but I find doing the, your, your own ground peppers works really well doing that. And I did that on the truck quite a bit. Um, you can do the cauliflower rice. And one of the things that I found was the freeze dried cauliflower rice, and it's going to take moisture. In. The only thing about cauliflower rice is especially if it's sat around for a while, it gets that kind of cabbagey, mm-hmm. old cabbagey flavor and scent to it, which can carry over into your food. So it, even the dried stuff, the freeze dried stuff gets that to it, gets that smell to it. But if you can get over that and deal with it, then you can do all kinds of creative stuff. And I find that you can block a lot of that with the amount of spice you use. Gotcha. And yeah. And then when you're doing cauliflower rice at home, if you don't want that scent to it, just get a whole head of cauliflower, 
cut off what you need on it, throw it in a blender with some water and rice it yourself and then just strain it off and let it dry a little bit on the counter. Um, or, or like I said, toss it into a dehydrator or air fryer on a low power mode and, and dry it out. You could even take a, a, a pan if it's got a good enough, uh, surface on it that things won't stick and kind of dry roast it a little bit in a pan on some low heat and toast it up a little bit. And that actually adds some great flavor. So you're not, you're not in the truck anymore, right? No. Uh, Carrie Brown and I have partnered up and we are doing all kinds of projects. I, uh, uh, a lot of my injuries from the car accident started acting up on the, on the road and I, my shoulder. So, uh, started acting up real bad and, uh, developed tendonitis in my elbow. So I came off the truck and Carrie and I've been talking about doing some stuff for a little over a year now. And she's like, you know, we can't do it when you're out there. So come here, let's get this stuff done. I like it. So I like it. Yeah. Well, now now that you're um, not bound by the the confines of a, of a truck, what is your go-to like cooking techniques now? Like what kind of equipment do you use? Like what is your, your tried and true methods? Well, the the funny thing is i'm still cooking like i'm on the truck a lot of times because oh, really? we're actually making like a we're making a uh, i'm i'm working on a a cookbook for uh truckers and people who live in small spaces like boat rv tiny home whatever so i'm actually i got an adapter for the lunchbox oven and i'm cooking food out of the lunchbox oven here in the kitchen i've got the ninja out i'm still doing a lot of that stuff uh, the one big plus that I have that I didn't have before is I actually, for the first time in like seven years, got to use an actual oven and stovetop. So uh, my my main go-to, though, is a good cast iron skillet. Just I can do all kinds of stuff with it. And that's the easiest thing that I do when I want to eat and get, get something done is, is, is get something in that skillet and make something really good. Well, you, on the blog, it they went up for the members. I made a uh, dark chocolate chili mole uh, that went up on the carrybrown.com website for the Rockstar members. And it'll be uh, the recipe will be going over to the free membership in a bit. But I made a um, dark chocolate chili mole and I made uh, I made uh, uh, curried lamb shakes in a cast iron skillet. I've made uh, the ahi pokey that's going on the website, and I did a we I call that one a, a fatty drunken poke. Nice. I've got a question on the shanks. I've got like a freezer full of deer shanks right now because I'm I'm hunter yeah. and I, I've got I love shanks, but I'm curious to get your your take on the, the best way to prepare them because I've I've come across a bunch low of different slow. recipes. Low, low and slow, just like do like a like a broil basically. Yeah, low and slow, man. Uh, braising is awesome for it. You want to get that kind of like ribs, man. If you do things too fa- too fast, too hot, then you're going to get tough meat. So low and slow braising is awesome because uh, especially with uh, with something like a, a deer, which is going to have a lot leaner meat, you, you can add a lot of moisture and fat by, by braising. And you can also add a ton of flavor and with like deer shanks i would do something like a get a really good red wine a lot of butter uh do a nice little uh, sear up on each of the shanks before you put it in and then you slowly braise it with the uh 
butter, some garlic, some onions, uh, maybe a little celery seed in there and some good spice, like, uh, some bay leaves, uh, get some, uh, braising is the same as slow cooking, right? Like, am I totally, it's, off a, it's, it's slow cooking with liquid. Gotcha. So like so, an instant pot, basically I like put it all in there, like do like a sear with a cast iron and the butter on yeah. the shanks and then I like throw them all in the instant pot and then do like yeah. that. And, and what I'll do, what I did with the lamb shanks is I seared them first, mm-hmm. then I set them aside and I deglazed the pan with the, with uh, some, some lemon juice and some butter. And then I started making my sauce in the pan. Then I put the shanks back in, cover it up, throw it in the oven on a low temp and just let it go. And then you pull it out, that meat falls off the bone. It's super tender. What kind of temp are you cooking at for like how long? Like 225 for like five hours? Um, depends on what you're doing. Fattier meat, you could raise the temperature up because it won't dry out. So lamb, you could actually do at like 300 or so. Um, like I think we did it at, uh, if I remember correctly, it was like 380 or 400. Mm-hmm. But if you're working with a, a, a less fatty meat, like a like a game meat then you definitely want to bring it down low so i would say like uh yeah like 220 260 depending on the size of the meat if it's a real big shank you want to drop that temperature a little bit lower and let it cook a bit longer if it's a thin shank then you're gonna you know you could raise the temperature up a little bit gotcha Shanks are something that so many people just discard as like trash meat, but it's if you cook it right, it's so freaking delicious. Oh yeah, well you got to think of how much food we discard in this country that is perfectly edible. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I was a trucker, we'd be running all the organ meats and stuff down to Mexico, you know, taking it to the border at Nogales and and drop it off, and then another driver takes it down to Mexico. We discard so much of the animal. And I mean, perfectly good cuts, the tongue, the, I made tacos de lingua just recently in the Ninja, man, it was fantastic, (laughs) but most Americans don't eat that and they don't realize how tasty that meat could be. Barbacoa, you know, traditional barbacoa is done with the tongue and heart. I made, uh, on the truck, sometimes I'd go get some beef heart and do that up. And, uh, we, we're most Americans don't realize how wasteful we could be in this country and how much we are not utilizing. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you go to a third world country, like a lot of the ones that I've been to, man, everything's used and they respect that animal a lot when they use it because they, they know it's life and, and protein might be a little bit scarce. So they, they value it more, you know, and compared to other countries that I've been to, even third world countries relative to income, our meat's pretty dang cheap here. Yeah. And, and our food bills or ratios to, to income, most most places around the world that I've been to, people will spend 60, 70, 80% of their income on food. And here the average spent on food is like 20%. Yeah, it's it's mind-blowing, man. That's one of my honestly probably biggest pet peeves is just the amount of waste – uh, and the amount of like quality food that gets discarded. Like I, I don't throw away any meat. Like if there's anything that's gone bad or is like freezer burn, like you know, dig it out of the bottom of the freezer, didn't know it was there. I'll like Soup. chop that up. I'll give it to the dogs even before I throw it away. Like yeah. I will not throw away food. <clears throat> I got my dog eating uh, 
I, <laughs> my dogs had a real sensitive stomach. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find a dog food on the road that she could eat without getting sick. And so she's been eating meat for a while. I generally, cause I, I could, you know, limited access. A lot of what I had access to was uh, conventional meat. I don't trust it enough to feed her raw that. Mm-hmm. So I just throw it in the slow cooker and cook it low and slow and make her own food, throw in some veggies and maybe a little sweet potato in there or something like that. And that's what she ate. Um, she, she's, when I got her, the, uh, the guys, uh, that I got her from had rescued her out of a, uh, house where the teen boys were beating the crap out of her mm-hmm. and she has some stomach issues and she still got some anxiety issues and stuff, but she's just, she's been my buddy. She's been my therapy dog. And you had, you had her all the time while you were on the road. I've had her for probably almost five years in the truck. So that's awesome, man. I call her my 20 pound attack gerbil. <laughs> 20 pound attack gerbil i gotta imagine like being on a truck just non-stop you get super lonely so having some companionship with the dogs gotta be a game changer it was a lot better than having students i'll tell you that much yeah yeah i can imagine i had a uh, i had a student that was sitting in the truck one day he was an older guy and he was an ex-con and he was a cool dude he was one of my best students and he was looking at me, looking out the, looking around the truck, looking at me, looking around the truck. We were sitting there having our coffee, getting ready to go. And I was like, Gary, what is it, man? He goes, you know, yo, when I was in lockup, we had a cell that was almost twice this large. And they said it was cruel and unusual punishment to put two of us in there. <laughs> so he was, he was in all kinds of friendly, huh? Oh yeah. Well, no, we, we got along real well. He actually wanted the team drive with me later, but I, I ran a few students and was like, this isn't for me. Yeah. I couldn't sleep while the truck was driving. Um, the roads can get so bumpy. You're like dribbling like a basketball in the back of the truck. And then they expect you to get up and drive for 11 hours after the other guy drove for 11 hours and you couldn't sleep the entire time. Yeah. It sounds miserable. Oh yeah. And then the tight confined space and stuff. There's a lot of husband and wives that, uh, or boyfriends and girlfriends that went in team driving and, uh, the relationship didn't last. Mm. Yeah. I've got to imagine like close quarters for that long without like a legitimate yeah. break has got to wear on a relationship. For yeah. Sure. But, uh, I, I was, I'm pretty good by myself. I can find myself being occupied with a lot of things. I like to read, um, like watching documentaries. I, I have a lot of hobbies that keep me mentally occupied. So I can be very introverted at times and it doesn't really bother me that much to be on my own for, for quite a while. I actually, uh, for, for quite a bit, I appreciated the, the solitude. I wouldn't mind tooling the country in an RV that, and, and enjoying that lifestyle. Um, and with the RV, I could choose where I go and hit all the, the, the big hiking areas and all that. And I'd love that. See that, that's something that's, that's always gotten my interest. Like I've, I've loved traveling. I love seeing new things like getting outside of my bubble and just, you know, looking creatively through a new lens, which is why I'm especially interested in like all these different ways and techniques of staying fit and staying healthy with regard to nutrition, like in tight confined spaces. So I'm especially interested in this book that you're making and all these uh, you know cooking videos that you're creating alongside with Carrie like that that to me is just right up my alley yeah we're going to be doing some more stuff too and uh, I got a video that's going to be coming out on how to make a, a 
keto cowboy coffee just with a little camp stove mm-hmm. you're doing fun stuff i'm going to show how to make a, a quick breakfast of bacon and eggs in a brown paper bag or bacon and eggs in the lunchbox oven we're going to be doing all kinds of stuff like that and, and the main thing that we want to focus on especially right now is kind of keeping things at an introductory level and in, in working with people that are not considering themselves cooks mm-hmm. and learning how to do it uh from basically from from zero from and that's that's seems to be a lot of issues with a lot of guys um when i was on the truck is they didn't know how to cook the, their biggest ways that they would cook is open a can and you know either heat it up in the the lunchbox oven or some guys would even just throw it on the manifold and cook on the manifold heat their can up of whatever they're eating pork and beans or can of chili or something like that and so i'm trying to we're trying to keep things simple we're trying to keep things kind of a associated with that trucker's comfort food a little bit and keep everything and then as we go i want to try to and increase the techniques a little bit and increase and show people what what really you could be capable of making while you're out in the truck because if you're cooking your own food most of the truck stops don't have mom and pop restaurants anymore it's it's chain foods fast foods mm-hmm. you can blow the the wheels off of the food that you have available at these truck stops and stuff by making it in your truck you could have a million times more flavor uh definitely healthier and save a ton of money guys don't even realize how much money they can save by just prepping stuff themselves on the truck so like if i was if i was a trucker i mean you you typically like how how often are you back at your your house um i was unusual i basically lived on the truck i would go home maybe once or twice a year and only for about three or four days at a time and i'd be back out on the road Okay, that's crazy, man. So yeah. you definitely weren't so prepping your I, meals at home and then taking them all with you for the for the. And drive. there's guys that do that. There's guys that like there's guys who, especially who live in the country, that they'll go out and hunt and they will can meats in bone broth and things, and they'll bring it on their truck, or or they'll they're out for a few days, and if they have a wife or a significant other, so if, they, if you know, might support the driver by. Um cooking some food and prepping them getting ready to go and you could definitely do that and there's guys that are home once a month i that just wasn't me i my my lifestyle was the road i i stayed away and stayed on the road and was just doing my best to to get things going so my access to food was uh i had to get creative and i wouldn't say it's limited because as i learned different things and found different avenues uh, I really was able to keep a nice variety of things in the truck. So um, what you were mostly I, relying on, like, a, like what, where was your go-to spot for groceries? Like, you just pull into a Walmart. Generally, Walmart. Get generally, Walmart. It's it's the place where you can get in and, and with a rig. But one of the things I loved on the truck is these uh, internet shopping apps, uh-huh. and I would use Instacart and get deliveries from like sprouts markets natural grocers i love trying to hit the national natural grocers because sometimes they had duck eggs and you want to talk about a keto food duck eggs man oh so rich and fatty Mm -hmm. them and goose eggs any waterfowl yeah you can't beat it um 
Yeah, and the the taste. I mean, if you get a really good uh, naturally pastured duck egg, man, the, the taste is is incredible. It's so rich and tasty. But um, I would get the, a lot of things, including uh, supplements, because one of the things I've I've always had a struggle with is the leg cramping, mm-hmm. and the, especially in the calves and everything like that. And until I went keto, I didn't understand entirely about the mineral electrolyte profile that you really needed to help prevent that stuff, especially magnesium. And even when I, then I had to figure out what form of magnesium was the most beneficial and didn't wreck your driving day because of disaster pants. Right. Right. You know, so that, that was a big one in, and getting the right kind of potassium and enough sodium in there. And it really helped me deal with a lot of the leg cramping that I've always experienced. Yeah, um, electrolytes are key. But, so, w- with you going to like, a, like, I'm just trying to paint a picture for people that, you know, if they're not going to use the Instacart, they're not going to go to like, you know, shop on the app with a you know, natural grocery or something. If they're just going to run into Walmart, I'm all, I'm all for just taking people's excuses away. So, if you've been like, go go home once or twice a year, do all your cooking from the truck. And are going to Walmart for food like that. That sets the stage and the perfect foundation yeah. to totally strip people's excuses away because you're able to stay keto, and and yeah. you know lose a ton of weight doing it. So like when you go to Walmart, what are your go tos like from a price point and just from like a high quality keto standpoint? Like what are your go tos that you grab well, first? My 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 two primary areas that I hit whenever I went into Walmart. I would hit the canned meat section and find out what kind of canned seafood that they had available. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would look for high quality things like uh, lion caught, wild caught seafood, uh, make sure that there's no nasty oils. And so many of the seafood companies will throw like cottonseed oil or something in there. So I'll grab like a can of of, uh, oysters or something like that. And you got to make sure you read it. Uh, the frozen seafood section because the frozen seafood isn't fantastic, but Walmart started carrying um, uh, wild caught stuff in there that are sustainable in there. Walmart actually is, is pretty good on jumping on trends mm-hmm. from a marketing standpoint. So when people are going for more grass fed things, when people are going for more wild caught, they'll stock it. Uh, in some of the more rural areas, pickings can get a little slim. But uh, I generally was able to find that type of thing in a higher quality uh, uh, for Walmart standpoint in, in those areas. So the other area I would hit is the meat department. And oftentimes I was shopping at two, three o'clock in the morning, which is a great time to go because other than the fact that there's a bunch of nutcase, you know, the Walmart photo people are yeah. out. Yeah. But uh <laughs> But uh, the one of the things that you find is is a lot of the meats go on manager special, and so you can cruise right through that meat department and find some pretty good deals. And it's, it's again not the highest quality meat, but it's what you have available. And sometimes you have to make the better choice and not the best choice. Mm-hmm. Well, know, it sure but, beats anything you're getting at a gas station. Yeah, it definitely, or at Wendy's or at uh, McDonald's or or whatnot. Because McDonald's, even if they did use a higher quality beef, they're seasoning that that frying area with with canola oil or some sort of industrial oil. Um, most of the WalMarts carry Kerrygold butter, and that was a big staple for me on the truck. Um, Kerrygold or Vital Farms, uh, 
some of the Walmarts are carrying brands like Happy Egg, uh, Vital Farms eggs, which have the naturally pastured eggs, which I would go for. Um, and then I'd hit the produce department. And generally I try to buy fairly organic, but produce does not last long on the truck. So whatever I got, I had to use rapidly. Yeah. So I could not keep a big supply of fresh produce on the truck. And like I would buy avocados and I, they'd be hard as a rock and I'd be testing them every day. And then I go test the dang things rotten. They went from hard as a rock rotten while I was sleeping. I know, man. I hate and, avocados. That <laughs> I love avocados, yeah. but it's like it's always just so, a gamble. Yeah, so I started buying uh, like holy guacamole. It's more expensive, but at least I'm going to use it. And I felt it saved me money because it's it's ready to go. I could throw it in the freezer if I need to mm-hmm. and save it. And it's not going to be wasted. I'm not going to throw it away because it suddenly went bad. I can keep it where I need it to have it and have access to it when it's there and I'm not going to waste it. So I figured that that was money well spent because it's something that's not going to be wasted. So holy guacamole was, was, uh, was a good one. Um, they, I trusted that brand a bit more because all their ingredients are just basically, you know, avocados and salt and pepper and maybe whatever spice they throw in there they don't they don't get nefarious with anything yeah there's some of it you buy and you got to look at the ingredients and they'll throw on some sort of emulsifier or or some bad mayo to make it creamy or something like that and, um, and you were keeping of, these for like a like like how often would you hit up a grocery store because you had the two refrigerators in your truck yeah at one point uh, I would hit a Walmart usually about once a week or once every two weeks. Wow. So you were staying stocked up enough to be able to like have enough food, keep it all fresh and cook throughout the, the week or two. And yeah. Have like I, I did a lot meals. of, I did a lot of batch cooking where I put things away. And then when I found the other thing too, is when I found went keto, um, I wasn't as ravenously hungry as I used to be. Mm-hmm. I literally, when I was in high school, they had pictures of me up at some all-you-can-eat places with a notice to employees to not let me in. Wow. <laughs> because I would walk up to a tray and take, like, the entire tray of orange chicken out of the theater and eat the entire tray. Like, they did not make money on me at all. That's wild, and man. Yeah, I mean that was my level of appetite. I I I was, and I when I got hungry, it was hangry. It was like I need to eat, and that was when I was more carb based. Now I can go like a couple of days without having to have a meal. Mm-hmm. So when I did stock the truck, things would last longer because I I didn't snack all the time. I didn't have to have food constantly feeding my face. I did like my bulletproof coffee. My primary reason for doing keto was brain health. So I kept, especially when I started, I had a much higher fat ratio than your average 70, 20, 10. I was like at some points almost 90% fat for the day, but I found that I was, I wasn't hungry. And you lost a lot of that weight with the high fat ratio, right? Yeah, I I did. Um, And I, I just attribute that mainly from cutting out carbs and the sugars and everything. Cause I was, you know, before I went keto, I was drinking the sodas, the sweet teas, the, you know, country boy, we grew up on sweet tea. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, that was one of my favorites, lemonade, things like that. And uh, so cutting the sodas out, because I didn't go keto right away. I, um, I kind of went paleo and then slid into keto. Gotcha. And I did that because I had done the low fat diet for quite a long time. And the high fat, initial high fat intake kind of messed with my digestive system a bit. So I actually went into cutting out the processed foods first and the sugary drinks and leaning toward more whole foods and then gradually slid into the higher fat, higher protein ratios. I also find that my body likes a higher protein amount too. So I'm good as long as I got fat and protein, I can cut out the carbohydrates entirely if I want to. Yeah, a lot but of people, my... I mean, especially like I, I would think, you know, you've been on the road, like you're probably benefiting from – like you said, all the vegetables spoil pretty quickly. So I, I would think that you'd titrate the veggies down and almost, you know, benefit from like a carnivore-esque approach. Yeah. I mean, you got to think too, like you, the higher, the more athletic you are, the higher carb tolerance and, and, and more carbs you're going to actually be able to use, utilize in your body. But if you're sedentary, you're not accessing those carbs. Right. And so you're sitting on your butt in a truck all day and you're eating carbs. That's going straight to your fat cells mm -hmm. because you're not getting out running around. I mean, your anxiety level might be up, your stress level might be up and you might use some that way, but you, then your insulin's up, your cortisol's fired up and you're, you're slamming your fat cells then too. So it's, 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 you know, it's a, carbs are just not great for truckers. It's not great for that lifestyle at all. I'm, you know, there might be some some benefit to maybe a complex carbohydrate, uh, polysaccharide uh, for for gut health or something. But I'm even on the fence on that one. And I I firmly believe that if you're if you're doing a sedentary lifestyle, the more sedentary you are, the more toxic carbs become. Totally agree, man. There's there's not really been any instances that I've seen where there's been a benefit to them. Uh, I mean, I'm, I consider myself pretty active and I don't really have yeah. any carbohydrates, so I haven't but seemed I, to suffer I, from it. I can see certain aspects of, and I, to me, it's a bio-individuality thing. I think some people can run a little bit better, but I can see like those guys that are running extreme marathons or something that might use a bit of carbs mainly for retaining water mm -hmm. while they're going so they can stay hydrated. Um, but I, at the same time, I, I think you're right, man. Like the, the, the carbs are just not necessary. I mean, they're enjoyment more than anything. Totally. Um, they, they, they send off those endorphins in your brain and, and act the, the opioid, uh, receptors in your brain. So that they, they provide that comfort. There might be a case for, um, allowing the body to go into rest mode by restoring the glycogen stores in the stomach or in the muscles after, after an intense exercise by a small amount of carbs. But again, I'm on the fence on that. I think it's a, if it, if it makes you better and feel better and run more efficiently and your health markers are good and that's what's working for you by all means. But if if the carbs are causing you problems, they're causing you damage, they're making you gain weight, they're they're doing something. There's no point in having them. Well, you've been keto now how long in total? Uh, about 
I want to say about four or five years now. And you're healthier than you've ever been. I honestly, yeah. Uh, my cognitive ability is what's blown my mind. Uh, kind of a pun there, I guess. But the, the fact that I went from really bad short-term memory, struggling over what I was going to say half the time because my brain wasn't keeping up with my mouth. Um, I had a hard time retaining information unless it was hammered into me. And now it's like I'm picking up things. My brain is woke. Mm-hmm. And I'm picking up things and I can sit and I can read more and I can focus more. And that was, that was to me, one of the big things, um, the joint pain that I was experiencing. I mean, my body was racked when I was on the truck, I'd wake up, everything was popping and cracking and knees were shot and elbows and the whole bit. And when the knees started working better, I could move around without pain. That was incredible. I mean, just pain. I, I've always been a guy that even if I was in pain, you were not giving me an opiate pain killer. I, 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 I don't even want to take an over the counter substance half the time. Mm-hmm. I will do anything I can not to pay, take that painkiller. And I've seen too many guys in the pro wrestling world and the sports world have too many issues with that. I got too much family with substance abuse issues. I don't want it. And so when I realized you can mitigate pain through diet, huh, that was, that was a, a, an incredible awakening on me. And that's, that really kind of fueled a lot of research to, to find out what I was doing and make things even better. I, I don't want to be one of the cases of, yeah, you know, Yogi OD'd on the, on the painkiller or, or, the opiates shut down his kidneys and his liver. Now he's got to go on dialysis or he, you know, they've caused some sort of psychosis in him because they affect the brain. That's, I don't want to do that. That's why, like, I'm so drawn to your story, man. Like, you you had a very athletic beginning. Uh, you traveled, you've seen so much, and then you, you know, gained a ton of weight. You're on the road. And so many people have similar lifestyles, whether it be, like, you know, sitting in an office chair all day long, sitting in the road uh, or in a vehicle – that a lot of people do that, and it it breeds a lot of excuses as to why they can't improve their health. Like people always want to blame something else. So the fact that you oh. have turned that around totally, and now you're adding all this content, creating all this value for people that can do the same thing that are still in those situations is like incredibly impressive to me. Uh, well, you got to think, man. Everything good in life takes work. Amen to that. The easy things are always the negative things. You know, it's, it's easy to fall into the bad stuff and, and the, the sugars are easy accessible and they, the toll on the sugars is horrible. You know, your Doritos, your processed foods, it's easy to sit in front of the TV and just get fat and lazy and not work out. It's hard to get out and bust your butt and get fit and get, become athletic and get healthy. But when you put that work in what you reap from it is going to be far more beneficial in the long run than all these easy fixes. Mm-hmm. Totally. And, agree and so you got to put the work in. And at this point in my life, I wouldn't say I'm a big athlete in, in, anymore, but I would like to get back up there. And my goal now isn't 
the you know building size and becoming a bodybuilder and all that kind of stuff i actually want to try to make myself smaller and i want to be able to go hike the appalachia trail and the pacific crest trail maybe even someday do the american discovery trail and i want to be able to go into a place like rei and buy equipment that fits me yeah and so that i can support because right now that is a challenge it's a challenge because of my height but my build too with my chest size and everything it it is a challenge to find a backpack that fits properly it's a challenge to 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 find a sleeping bag that you can fit in you know um because i'd get the long ones and i would feel like a sardine can because it wouldn't fit around my shoulders um are are you still losing weight now yeah, I actually am. Um, it's it's amazing how much I've gone down just being off the truck. Mm-hmm. And my, I've after being off the truck, my sleeping patterns have normalized. There's a ton of health issues about the truck, and one is your sleeping patterns. There is no pattern; it's all over the place. You could be picking up one day and delivering in a day, or you could be picking up at night, or you can be picking up in the afternoon, driving through the night. Like there is no consistent sleeping patterns. And that causes an an enormous amount of inflammation in your body by not allowing the circadian rhythm to have a solid pattern of go to sleep and wake up with a natural rhythm. You're exposed to toxic chemicals through the diesel fuels and the fumes from guys running the the generators on the side of their trucks, the APU units and things like that, um, through the factories that you're going through with whatever they've got around the, the oils, the greases when you're working on the truck. You're constantly taking in a lot of toxicity. The, the air quality along the roads you're driving or some of the cities you're going through. So... I, I noticed that since I've been off the road, a lot of the inflammation in my body has gone down and I've literally just started to, sh- to shrink. And within the first few days, Carrie was looking at me going, holy crap, like you're getting smaller and smaller. And I didn't notice at first. And the only time I started noticing it is um, I'm down to the last notch on my belt and my pants are still falling down. <laughs> That's awesome, man. I mean, like the fact that, yeah. you know, the, the coolest thing about all of this is you start – improving one area of your life you know you switch over to keto or from paleo to keto and then then you get off the truck and something that you wouldn't even have expected like the the quality of your sleep starts improving and that adds a whole nother layer of improvement to, yeah. the, to the grand scheme of things i mean that, that's the that's the cool thing about this man like you just keep getting better and better and better you know i, I think if you're going to improve your life or if you're going to improve anything that's going on you got to have the mind of a, a of a real scientist mm-hmm. and i'm not saying i'm a scientist but what i mean by the mind of a scientist a scientist is always looking for answers they a real scientist is going to put their theory forth and they will change their mind if the evidence shows them that their theory is wrong and that's how we have to be we have to you know, we could have a theory about things that are going to work for us. And they, but if the evidence says this isn't working, you need to change. We need to be able to adapt and change and learn from these experiences and keep learning. If something we've been doing has been working but stops working because we've been adapted to that, so we're no longer getting benefit for it, we got to switch things up. We got to learn how to adapt and switch things up. And you, you have to have the mind of the scientist to learn to absorb that information to come to conclusions and to sometimes break away with your 
pre-existing notions. Totally, totally. And that's honestly like hard to do sometimes in the face of adversity because you know you get you get people judging you left and right. Especially like when you're first starting something new, you don't really have the confidence to know it's going to work, and you get everybody that is in your circle telling you that you're a fool for doing it. So I can only imagine you know being on the road doing all this crazy stuff that you're doing people are judging you well, for it but you, you see know, the benefit people, you just keep going forward yeah people people fall in dogma so easy and and you know dogma is essentially the definition of dogma is is having a behavior or pattern that you hold on to despite the evidence mm-hmm. and people will hold on to dietary dogma they will hold on to political dogma whatever and and even though all the evidence is screaming at them they don't want to admit they're wrong they don't want to admit the dogma that they're following is is wrong and dogma is something that can become very dangerous in people and uh, for your well-being because it's you're if you follow things with a dogmatic approach and it's not working for you and you're not willing to change you're going to cause yourself harm over the long run and that's something I try to stay away from. And I, I love the keto lifestyle. I love the keto things, but I've, I look at what works for me. And if like, let's say the, the vegetables that I've been told my whole life, if you want to be big and strong, you got to have your vegetables. You got to have your vegetables. If they're not working for me and they're not helping me reach my goal and I'm getting a negative health, then I'm I'll eliminate them. Despite all the dietary dogma I've, I've learned my entire life. And the keto diet itself completely went against everything that I was told. And it, but it works. And if you have an N equals one experiment and something's working for you, then how is somebody else going to tell you it's wrong? Exactly. If you're seeing the benefits. Well, you've, you've seen some pretty, pretty significant benefits, man. I feel like your life's done a full 180 shift over the past few years. Yeah, it really has in a lot of ways. And, uh, now that I'm off on this new adventure and um, actually working on making a business in the keto world, uh, which was something I never really expected I was going to be doing, but I'm enjoying it immensely. Um, hanging with Carrie, who's super cool, learning all kinds of new. I've never been a formally trained cook, so she's watching me do stuff like, holy crap, you do that. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm watching a formerly trained chef going, oh, that's how you're supposed to do it. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, we're, I mean, I'm, so, I'm definitely keen to to see these recipes, man. Like, like I said, I, I want to learn how to do this kind of stuff, you know. And I'm I'm not a chef by any means, so like, where, what what's the resource? Like, where where are you posting all this? We we are posting everything up on carrybrown.com. Okay, and that's the website, and that on that website will have the links to all of our facey space and Twitter stuff and all that kind of Instagram you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I just started doing the Insta ham. So I'm learning that now. Uh, what, what is your Instagram? It, uh, is the real Yogi park. I think it's the real Yogi Parker. Gotcha. That's a real Yogi Parker. Gotcha. And uh, Twitter is, um, at big Yogi bears, 1976. And on Facebook, I'm, I'm the real Yogi Parker. Cause there's a bunch of yogis running around. And, and, and when's the the cookbook? So you're working on the cookbook, you said. We're yeah, we're in the we're in the beginning stages of the cookbook, um, and it's 
it it is a recipe book but the recipes that i'm doing are very loose Mm -hmm. um and i'm putting on there about all the different ways you can modify each recipe to do different things with it because being on the road i didn't always have access to consistent ingredients and i have to take that into account for other truckers and other people traveling so i i'm writing about how you can adapt things and each recipe that i do is actually like four recipes because i'm i'm writing how to do the same thing in in like four different devices you know sometimes up there so i actually i'll have yeah i did an asian style uh pork belly um and i did it in the ninja the instapot uh crock pot and the lunchbox oven nice so yeah, the lunchbox oven is like it. That's a one or two person serving thing. It's a tiny little device. But the, if you want to batch cook in a small space, something like an Instapot, Crockpot, or Ninja is, is fantastic for that. Well, I'm so, I'm definitely gonna get a copy of this book when it comes out, man. Because like I said, I got this sailboat, and I'm trying to figure out how to like sustain life on it. You know? Uh, yeah. So so having access to a resource like that's gonna be good. Well, yeah, and if you want any advice for small space stuff, just hit me up. I'll be more than happy to advise you. And I like I'd say multitaskers are going to be a key, um, as well as camp gear. Uh, camp gear is designed to, as you know, you're you're a camper. You know, you, it's designed to be compact and store easy. Mm-hmm. And getting like some of the uh, silicone collapsible. Uh, storage containers and mixing bowls are phenomenal because they don't take up a lot of space and you can put them right in, especially something rectangular or square because they, they're more space efficient. Right. Right. And uh, you know, working out your storage systems and your ability to cook and, and uh, the, there's some other really cool gadgets I've used that like the, the George Foreman evolve grill, it's an electric grill, but it has, you can buy all these different separate plates for it. So you can do waffles, you can do the grill, you can do the, uh, they have a baking tray, griddle pans, they got all kinds of stuff. So you can make that a variety. But the the only thing I don't like about it is you got to buy all the plates individually and then that's more storage for everything. So um, it is a multitasker thing, but it's the, the, all the different plates in a small area. If you're traveling or something can be a bit of a hassle. Well, I'm I'm definitely but, gonna take you up on that, man. I'm gonna pick your brain about uh, like as as I go through all this stuff. I'm gonna hit some roadblocks, I'm sure, and I'll I'll be I'll be giving you a jingle. Yeah, feel feel free, man. I've 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 had about seven years of experience in that realm, so I I should have something to say about it. Hopefully. Well, sweet man, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to, to talk with me today. As it is, so I will I will link out to those social interweb. Uh, sites and I'll def- definitely let me know when that cookbook is done because I think that'll be a huge resource to a lot of people. Yeah, I definitely will. I'll keep you posted and we'll get you going. And uh, when maybe when all this craziness comes down, we'll we'll run into each other at one of the conventions or something like that. Sounds good, man. Let's plan on it. Yeah, you can't miss me. So <laughs> well, I will definitely be looking for you, man. I appreciate you, brother. Good talking with you. All right, man. You too, man. Take it easy. Take care. <laughs>